1: We're focused in today on the focus trap, focusing on anything and everything other than Christ and getting stuck in that focus. Moving from self to Christ is the, today's broadcast. Welcome. We invite you to join us today. We are in Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 20, as we work our way to chapter 4 and verse 15. Arise, move, and go is the title of our series, and we are overcoming the focus trap. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace.
2: Listen, if God was really serious about her rebellion, she would have never had another child. But don't you know, when we mean it for evil, God means it for good. Do you know that? And do you know that God knows how to take our brokenness and sinfulness and insert in that foolishness his own revelatory purposes? Now, sometimes you and I struggle with the pain of a broken, sinful world and a sinful life. We really do. And we should hear because her firstborn child, the only other child in the world is a fool. He's an absolute fool. But she's excited because she understood that God had given her a reprieve of judgment. I told you back when we were in Genesis last week, Adam did not name her Eve until after God had restored them. It was Esha, the woman, the woman, the woman, just like he was Ish, the man, the man. But remember when God covered her in coats of skin and gave a judgment on the serpent? I will put enmity between you and the woman, your seed and her seed. Adam said, okay, God has lined us back up. I am the head. She is the body. Now she can do what she's supposed to do. Help me proliferate and have children. Am I making some sense? Therefore, her name was called Eve or in the Hebrew, Hava, Hava, Hava. A lot of our Jewish sisters are called Abba because that's Eve. And it was because God called those two to actually fill the earth with children. And so Adam is feeling pretty good because that chaos they were in has been straightened out by God. That's first Corinthians 11, right? God, Christ, man, the woman. Now his house is in order and they can have children. And she's also walking by faith now because she says this child came from who? The Lord. And that's what all Christians do. I do. Me and my wife had eight, as you know. And uh, we were thankful that God had given all of them to us. Very thankful. And then guess what? That girl turned around again and had another child. Her and Adam were serious about Genesis 1, and 27. And she says, I have gotten another man from the Lord. And she named him what? And again, I can spend the whole hour here unpacking the significance of their names, but the text will tell us in the verse that as those boys grew up and it came in process of time, here's what you also need to know. And I love the way God does this, but it's important for you to comprehend it. You know how hard it is for you to sit under sound propositional teaching for an hour? Raise your hand. You know how hard it is? Now, you can watch a foolish movie for five hours, but you know how hard it is to listen to God's word? Listen to me. The reason why it's hard to hear God's word for an hour is because God's word is filled with eternal truth and eternal truth proceeds from a God who is from everlasting to everlasting. And in terms of our perception, now this is a perception thing because we've been squeezed down to 70 or 80 years. It is very hard for us to endure hours in a 24 hour cycle. If we understood 900 years, like Adam lived to be 930 years, and the oldest man, his name was what? Methuselah, and he only lived a little longer than Adam, and the average years was 800 years. When you listen, when you're doing 800 years, an hour is a second. I'm teaching you something that people don't pay attention to in the Bible. They argue with the Bible like everything that is now is as it was even then, and that's not true. Your perception and mind is always limited by our biological makeup. That means we're getting old and dying. And those of us who are older, tell it, boy, the days go by quick, don't they? We look up and go, whoa, where'd the time go? And children, they're sitting in the seat squirming. You're torturing me, daddy. I don't want to sit here for an hour way too long. All of this is perception. This does not correspond with the reality subjectively. We know this in in science. We're clear about how time stretches and moves and how time is a correlation between what is and our perception of it. I leave you with that because you read in your Bible in process of time. Now, what that means is God cares about how difficult it is for us to listen to him. He don't care that much because he has had me to be your pastor for the last 25 years. And you know, we talk for our minimum. And that's because I ain't going to have you that long. You're going to die and stand before God and you won't be able to say you didn't hear the truth. Here it is. In process of time, both of those boys grew up and they had the field to choose their particular vocation and life. It's evident that Abel decided to be a sheep herder. That becomes a paradigm too, because we know that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David were sheep herders, cattlemen. That is a substantially different vocation than what Cain chose. He chose to be a tiller of the ground. Now, immediately, John tells me in first John chapter three, the difference between Cain and Abel is that Abel understood the gospel and Cain didn't. That Abel understood that he would much rather have a vocation that represents God's mercy and redemption through blood atonement and substitution in the lambs that God provides and to demonstrate to the world that he's a steward and overseer. Listen now to something that largely God has to do. You don't kill sheep. (laughs) You don't cultivate lambs. You just watch them do their thing and then you care for them when they come. Now with Cain, that brother's close to the ground. Now, is he not? Are y'all keeping up with me? What that means is his nature inclined him to draw near to the curse. Because what we learned in Genesis chapter three is God cursed the ground. The other thing is that because he leans into the ground to make that his vocation. He's comfortable with the snake because God had also cursed the snake and said on the ground, you will crawl. This is why John in first John says he was of that wicked one, the what? And you and I understand these things have to be spiritual, don't they? We're understanding that some men will choose the way of Satan, others the way of Christ. And they can be in the same family. And so Cain is a tiller of the ground. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of potential there, but God made it very clear. You're dealing with the curse. So Cain had become maladjusted to the curse. Am I making some sense? So maladjusted to the curse Cain had got so maladjusted to the curse, he thought he could bring some of the curse to God in worship. Are y'all hearing me? Are you hearing me? And when God said, nah, Cain, that ain't going to work. Cain wanted to get angry with God. That is the first lesson I need to keep going. But I do want you to understand this. If you think that God smiles on every effort and act that you engage in when it comes to worship and you have not deferred to God's word, you've got another thing coming. Those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Such are the father seeking to worship him. And what's quite evident in our text is we're dealing with conscience, are we not? We're dealing with conscience. These are not material existential things we're dealing with. We're dealing with what's going on in Abel's conscience. He's rejoicing. We're going to see that. And we see what's going on in Cain's conscience. He's angry. You got a lot of angry church folk. They go all the way back to folks like Balaam and Judas and Saul and Shimei. Many who were supposed to be worshipers of the true and the living God, but they were angry because they thought they could bring to God whatever they wanted. And you and I know better, right? It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy has he saved us, right? And as a consequence, we bring to God what he gives us. If we're going to be accepted of God, we've got to be accepted of God by that which God accepts, which is about to bring me into my other aspect of the point that's important here. God comes to him in mercy and he says, Cain, why are you angry? And why is your continence falling? You guys see that? Why are you angry and why is your continence falling? For me, we would be moving to point two in our outline, the mercy of God who does what? He comes to you. Does God come? Can I ask you two things as we look at subpoint A and B? Does God see it? Yes. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's the one that sees it all. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro, beholding the good and the evil. Is that right? The eyes of the Lord are in every place, observing what we do, say, and think. Those are the eyes of the Lord because He's a sovereign God, omniscient, and everywhere present. But it's not only that He sees; He what? He cares. Look at that second point, please, child of God. Before we have to deal with the chronic outcome of this rebel, I want you to know this. God gave this rebel every opportunity to get it right. That's because he cares. And you know what the Bible tells me? When you and I are filled with anxiety at the level that it would make us either fearful or angry, because that's some of us. Some of us, every time something go wrong, our anger level just goes off the chart. Am I the only one? And for others of us, we get fearful and cowardice. We shrink away and we go into a kind of paralysis of anxiety. Anxiety when you are completely discombobulated emotionally. Anxiety is when you don't have a way out. Am I making some sense? I could unpack that, but I've already unpacked that with you before. The enemy loves for you to not be walking in order because when you're in chaos, he will either evoke out of you anger because you're frustrated. Some people get angry when they're frustrated. And A lot of us know that among ourselves. Other people get fearful when they're frustrated because anxiety sets in so high that they can't move to the left or the right. And they just kind of sit in a paralysis state and just kind of grab their head. Right. And guess what God says? Bring all that to me. Bring all that to me. Listen, I'm capable of understanding and remedying every problem you might have. Hence, I'm going to show you 12 examples of how Cain was just like Eve. I'm going there in a moment, but I do want you to understand the narrative flows this way. Cain is dealing with a struggle internally that amounts to murder because what Jesus said was if you're angry with your brother in your heart, the next step is what? Right, this is why you got to deal with anger. This is why you got to deal with anger. Now, he's a God that sees. And he's a God that comes and he's he's a God that inquires and he's a God that will help you. Now, I want to share with you something here in the narrative that I think is helpful as well. Again, this is a recapitulation and here it is. Are you ready? God comes to his creatures, you and me, and God doesn't mind being the first one to start the conversation. He doesn't mind being the one to open the door to deal with the problem. You know how you and I are? We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to deal with it. And one of the reasons we don't want to deal with it is because we like staying in our mess. I'm teaching. But the God of the Bible don't want you staying in your mess. Because in your mess is when you're stuck. And when you're stuck, you don't have any power to deal with the stuckness. In fact, when you're stuck, it might be possible that you like being stuck. I know some people that are addicted to stuckness. I'm teaching. Am I teaching? You wonder why every time you look around, they're in the same place. Because they like being stuck. They don't want to be free because when you're free, now you have to be responsible. I told you about it. I told you about it. I told you about that teacher in uh, in, in one of the um, Arabian states. He was a missionary to the... um, To the Arabs, this is about 100 years ago, and he's teaching the young kids education and he didn't realize he was part of a kind of enslavement system and eventually his conscience bothered him and his goal was to help the young people when they get in, find a way of escape. And he found more frequently than not, when he offered them a plan of escape, they didn't want it because they didn't know what to do with freedom. I'm here to tell you that's where you and I are today. We are maladjusted to a prison system psychologically and pragmatically, economically, and in every way at this present time. We are used to and therefore are slaves to convenience. We don't mind everybody ruling over us. than God, as long as you let me continue in my maladjusted state of addiction, am I making some sense? That's where we are. And the enemy knows that. This is why America is headed off to hell. Because people are paralyzed. They're trapped. They're trapped. And I love it because you know what God says in our text? Look at it. Here's what God says in our text to Cain. He says, listen, Cain, don't you know in verse 7, if you do well, you'll be accepted too. You see that? Cain, if you do the right thing, you'll be accepted. But now if you do the wrong thing, sin is laying at the door. Now, do you guys see that? Now, isn't God good to be the one who created you, the one that pursues you in your dysfunctionality, and then to be your counselor to help you unravel that foolishness? That's who he is, is he not? Is not he a wonderful God and a mighty counselor? Is he not the one that's able to unravel all of our foolishness and help us get out of it? I want to show you a couple more things here before we move to our last point. I told you there's a lot here and it's important. This is so in theology and a lot of people don't don't pay attention to the Bible. P a t h. I told you they don't pay attention to him and therefore they don't get these riches out of the Bible that you're getting now. And I'm barely scratching the surface, but it's making sense, isn't it? Isn't it making sense? I want to show you something here. This is wild and bizarre. First, God says, now sin's lying at the door. So what God has done here is he has personified sin. Now, sin is not a person, but he's personified it. In other words, he's using an analogy, and I want you to get it. And he's also saying to Cain, you haven't yet done it, but you're about to. I told you Cain is in the midst of a trial, isn't he? And for those of you who are new, please listen to me. The difference between a temptation and a trial is when you are in a trial, it runs you to God. When you are in a temptation, it runs you away from God. Did y'all get that? When you are in a temptation, the goal of the devil is to separate you from God so that you go away from God. When you're in a trial, it drives you to your knees. It runs you to the cross. It runs you to the Savior. Savior, Savior, hear my humble. Yes. It drives you to him. This is how you know it's God. And God has come to Cain and said, brother, you got one or two ways to go now. I done gave you a way of escape. Isn't that what Paul said? He will never put anything on you that you cannot bear, but that he will also make a way for you to get out of it. You know what that means? Anytime we fall, it's never God's fault. We fall because we want to. I know that about me. We fall because we want to. Here's another truth I'm going to make as an application and then apply it now. The reason that Cain is angry is because Cain has fallen into the postmodern trap that our society today has fallen into. And that is the notion that he is how he feels. I had to tell a dear sister this the other day. It's amazing how much more counseling I'm doing today than I have any other time in my life. But I understand that because the enemy has shifted our culture as a whole society from being intellectually and spiritually identified to being emotionally and psychologically traumatized. And so most of the work we're doing with human beings is around trauma and psychological issues versus an intellectual propositional grounding of how we should be thinking right and drawing from God resources in order for us to walk in truth. Therefore, listen, it's much easier for you and I to operate out of fantasy. It's much easier for you and I to shift seamlessly from an objective reality of what's going on into that ethereal realm of I think, I feel, therefore I am. I think, I feel, therefore I am. You are not what you feel. That's why they're chopping up our kids and switching body parts. Because somebody then said you are what you feel. This is for those of you who can endure sound doctrine. Are you ready? Feelings come and feelings go. Feelings are so fleeting. Nothing but the word of God is really worth believing. The word of the Lord is right. All of his works, all of his works are done in truth. Forever is his word settled in heaven and God's word will never fail you. It is an anchor to the soul. It'll keep you when the wind blow. It will be a strong tower to hold your spirit in the time of trouble. And it's, Pathetic here that Cain now is negotiating abandoning God because God doesn't want to buy into this postmodern foolishness. See, Cain brought the works of his own hands. He brought garlic and onions and potatoes and sweet potatoes and greens and all that to God. And when God says, I ah, that's cool you're missing something. Are you with me? He says, cool, you're missing something. In fact, he says, he went over there. See, it wasn't but four people in church. Adam, Eve, Cain. Now, all Cain had to do was look over there and see what they brought. And then he would have got the clue. But no, he wanted to separate himself and distinguish himself and make himself different from everybody else. This is what's going on in our culture with this madness of divide and conquer. I'm different than you. I'm better than you. We're better than them. They are better than the other people. All of that is a bunch of BS. You do know it, right? See, Cain stopped reading his Bible. No, I know there was no Bibles at that time, but the Bible was inherent in the practice. Cain stopped believing his mom and daddy when they told him, Cain, we're sinners. Cain, we're sinners. And when you worship God, you got to come to him with something that reflects what God approves of. I'm not there yet, but you know where I'm going. So Cain wanted God to respect his persons when Cain wouldn't respect God's person. Y'all got it. Y'all got it. And that's where a lot of religious folk are today. They want folk want God to respect them, but they won't respect him. Point number two, then the mercy of God who comes to you and he says, I see and I care. Point number three, I would say to Cain, once again, Cain, you need to move from self to Christ. Did y'all get that? We used to teach this years ago when folks really could endure sound doctrine. Y'all can't endure sound doctrine today. But we used to teach this years ago. There's only two steps you need to make to get saved. Out of self. And into Christ. And that's how you come to know God's mercy. That's how you get saved. Out of yourself and into Christ. Out of yourself and into Christ.
1: We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe, worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510 886-9782. 886 9782 Reach out to us by mail if you want to write 22768 Main Street that's 22768 Main Street Hayward California The zip code is 94541 As always it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's word growing in his grace Until next time may Christ be your way of grace I don't care what they might say We love Jesus anyway I don't care what they might say We love Jesus anyway